Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. I'm Janae Pierre. We begin on Staten Island, where an influx of money will be used to help mitigate the harms of the opioid epidemic. The Adams administration says $12 million will go to organizations providing treatment, housing, and employment assistance in the borough. The allocation comes from the billions in settlement money obtained by State Attorney General Letitia James from companies that manufacture, distribute, and sell opioids. Staten Island has struggled to get its share of settlement money until now, since initial allocations went out through the city's public hospital network, and the borough doesn't have a health and hospitals campus. In 2022, Staten Island had the second highest rate of overdose deaths among its residents behind the Bronx. Stick around. We'll be back after the break. Everybody's got a story about a piece of music. I thought this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. It's about pure experience, pure connection, pure joy. This song allowed me to survive. I'm Terrence McKnight with a new season of The Open Ears Project. Every Monday in under 20 minutes, you'll hear a different guest share their story. So you can start your week on the right note. Listen wherever you get podcasts. The 2021 mayoral campaign of Eric Adams is under a lot of scrutiny, especially from federal investigators looking into the mayor and his relationship to the Turkish construction company, KSK. Now, WMYC is reporting that the campaign potentially hid a fundraiser from another construction company. For more on this development, my colleague Michael Hill talked with WMYC's Charles Lane. Tell us about this mystery fundraiser you found. Who organized this? We actually know quite a bit about it. It was organized by Rybeck Development, a Brooklyn construction company. Rybeck's owner, Sergei Rybeck, and his mother, Tatiana Rybeck, did most of the organizing and asking donors to attend. The event was at a Russian restaurant called Chateau de Capitan in South Brooklyn. It was on election night in 2019, and we know that Adams attended. There were about 40 to 50 people sitting around a large table, and the food was served in a Russian family style, uh, where everyone just passes the dishes around. Attendees were strongly encouraged to donate $1,000, and Rybeck was intent on filling the room. However, according to interviews and records, the Rybecks actually started fundraising a year earlier. As near as we can tell, they bundled and gave to Adams about $71,000. $41,000 of which was in potential public matching funds. In other words, tax dollars. And this is the second construction company. The first one we heard about is KSK, which is being investigated along with the top fundraiser for Adams, Brianna Suggs. And we should clarify, Adams and Suggs have not been accused of any wrongdoing. But how is this Ryback event different from the KSK fundraiser? Foremost, we don't detect any hint of foreign money. KSK is reportedly being investigated in relation to donations from overseas. While Rybeck has a lot of Ukrainian and Russian connections, no one has suggested to us that the donations came from outside the U.S. Second, whereas the KSK event appears to have been documented poorly, 
the Rybeck event wasn't documented at all. By looking mm. at records, it just doesn't exist. And even looking creatively, it's really hard to see the donation clusters. It's only by making dozens of phone calls that we're able to piece things together. The other important thing about the Rybeck event was that it uh, happened very early in the election cycle, where $70,000 can make a big difference. What did Adams and Ryback have to say about this? The Adams campaign declined to get into specifics because they are under federal investigation and still being audited by the campaign finance board. However, they do have a record of the event at the restaurant on this particular day. Sergei Ryback was a bit more standoffish with us and refused to answer questions. Here's a, a bit of the interaction. I don't know anything about anything. I don't contribute personally, so I... Uh, That's contrary to her list that the Adams campaign has. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I have no comment. My comment is I have no comment. He went on to say that his vendors and employees donated of their own goodwill and that he did not compel them. Charles, Adams has had a lot of fundraising questions raised related to the 2021 campaign. I'm thinking of the six indictments this past summer for alleged straw donations. There's, of course, the FBI searches in relation to KSK. What's the common thread here? You know, it's hard to say. With the Ryback and KSK events, it could just be poor record keeping or it could be something more intentional. In looking at the finance reports, there appears to be a lot of money, not just from the Rybacks, but a lot of money coming from networks that appear bundled together. However, these bundlers are almost never disclosed. The campaign has articulated that it has a different interpretation of what needs to be disclosed as bundled and that it is still being audited by regulators. I talked to election lawyer Sarah Steiner about the KSK and Rybeck events, and she sees a pattern developing. You see one mouse, you have one mouse, but you see two mice, and you've got mice. If this is a pattern of donors to the campaign and the campaign, this is problematic. And as you said, Charles, because these are public matching funds, these are tax dollars mm -hmm. at work here, mm -hmm. right? Yep. That's WNYC's Charles Lane talking with my colleague Michael Hill. Everyone who lives in New York City probably has a cringy story to share about rats. But politicians have been vexed with the problem of how to control those persistent rodents. Matt Diodato is a New York City native and the owner of Urban Pest Management. He's known for his effective rat-killing method of shooting carbon monoxide into rat nests. WNYC's Sean Carlson talked with Diodato about every New Yorker's least favorite neighbor. What do you want to hear from city officials on how to help control the rat population? Well, I, I think the city is taking the uh, positive steps that they need to with the garbage pails being uh, mandated, the um, pickup times being changed to a degree. I would like to see the city get involved with what we do uh, in a larger scale, putting more feet on the ground, if you will. We have machines that have been proven to be very effective, more effective than any kind of poison or dentacides or snap traps or glue boards or baiting stations have ever done before. So this method is pumping carbon monoxide into burrows in sidewalk tree pits. It's been done on the Upper East Side. Tell us more about it. And you know, I think when people hear pumping carbon monoxide in, into nests, um, is that ethical? These um, units can be mobilized. They can walk. We bring them up and down city blocks. We canvas multiple areas, uh, you know, square miles in New York City. 
and they find an area that's infested. These hoses go down into the burrow. There's no carbon monoxide being escaped outside the dirt. It's actually being pumped into the burrow underground. The rodents that are living in the dens are basically going to sleep. It's the same thing that would happen to us. The carbon monoxide becomes uh, heavier and replaces the oxygen levels and their bodies basically first fall asleep and they go into renal organ failure. And that's how they die. Unfortunately, there are occasions that the colonies are large and some of the larger rats try to escape. And that when that happens, that's when it gets a little different because we have to stop that. So you have 40 years of pest control experience. In that time, what have you learned about rats in New York City and when, why are they so hard to get rid of? I actually admire the rats. They're, they're the ultimate survivor. They adapt to almost any climate situation you throw at them. I've seen rats do things that I just shake my head and say, wow, I thought I saw everything. The rat population right now is something I've never seen before. And the way the public has now dealt with them. I mean, people used to scream, jump on cars and jump on benches. People are basically walking around them, shooing them away with their feet. It's a whole dip, different atmosphere in the sense of people more getting used to them because they're so common. A lot of things could be contributing to that. You have these new food um, sheds, we call them on the streets for the restaurants, which are you know wood frame with um, plywood flooring, also raised about six to eight inches off the ground. So the rats are nesting underneath these platforms. So they have a lot of harboring and a tremendous amount of food source also. Winters have been a lot milder. We've been having very little snow. So that all contributes to these populations growing and being the way they are today. I'm sure you're aware Mayor Adams appointed the city's first rat czar, right, to address the rat population. What do you think of that? I don't know uh, any program that I've seen out in the city. I don't see any kind of advertisements about look what, what the city's doing to help you know, and how many um, community parks have reached out to me and said, we have no funding, we have no money, we're all volunteers. That Peck Street Slip Park is infested with rats. If you look around the grounds and you look around all the bushes, there's holes. And at night, th that whole area comes alive with rats. And they're like, how, you know, is this being um, like neglected by the city and the parks department and everyone else? It's such a huge tourist thing. They get frustrated. They're like, where's the rats are? Where, why isn't she down here? Why do we have to reach out to you? They are saying nothing's getting done. I don't know how you get in touch with her or why she isn't reaching out to like guys like me saying, hey, you know, let's get you and like 20 other companies out in the ground and let's get these programs started. We'll give you the machineries. We'll work out budgeting and let's get the city back into some kind of sanitary condition. That's Matt Diodato, owner of Urban Pest Management, talking with WNYC's Sean Carlson. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day. I'm Janae Pierre. We'll be back tomorrow.